0: There ain't no party like a JS party, and a JS party don't stop. Because when you hear them epic beats, y'all better take your seat. JS party is in the building.
1: Big thanks to our partners, Linode, Fastly, and LaunchDarkly. We love Linode. They keep it fast and simple. Get $100 in credit at linode.com. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. And get your feature flags powered by LaunchDarkly. Get a demo at LaunchDarkly.com. This episode is brought to you by Retool. Retool is the low-code platform for developers to build internal tools super fast and super easy. They have a ton of integrations and templates to start with. With a click of a button in seconds, you can start with a new Postgres admin panel application. Kick off an admin panel for reading from and writing to your database built on Postgres. This app lets you look through, edit, and add users, orders, and products. It's too easy to get started with Retool. Head to retool.com changelog to learn more and try it for free. Again, that's retool.com slash changelog.
2: Jared here, your internet friend. Today we have a very special episode. It's the big number 200. Can you believe we made 200 of these suckers? I guess time flies when you throw in weekly parties to celebrate JavaScript and the web. On this episode, we're going to take a moment to celebrate the party itself. We're calling it Best of the Fest, and this is volume one. Last week, I put out a call to JS Party listeners and panelists to send in their favorite moments from the pod. You could write in or even cooler you could record your voice and send that in to be played on the episode many of you wrote in which is awesome but only one brave listener took the time to record their message and send it to us well fortune favors the brave so here is listener Brian kicking off best of the fest take it away Brian
0: Hey, this is Brian Zellep in Baltimore, Maryland. Congratulations on making it to 200 episodes. I've been listening to JS Party since its release. I've been loving the changelog since at least 2014. I remember spinning up a couple servers on DigitalOcean back then for free using the changelog discount, and it really felt like I was getting over. Like, you know, what's to stop me from using this discount over and over and over again? As a web developer with a day job, JS Party and the Changelog family in general have really helped keep me in the loop over all these years, providing guidance and pointers, and especially language to use when talking with others. In looking over the past 100 shows, the first one that really jumped out at me was the Functional Programming Show, number 163 with Eric Normand. That was a great show. I understood it and got a lot out of it. It really resonated with me. I got his book afterwards using the changelog discount as well, and it's been great to dig a bit deeper into functional programming patterns using JavaScript. As an extra bonus, though, I have to give a shout out to the music underneath and in between the podcasts. I just simply love what I call the Zelda trap jazz of Breakmaster Cylinder. And I love its variations into like island vibes, dance, and especially vapor vibes. I'm a big fan. Really looking forward to the changelog feature on Breakmaster's Cylinder. Thanks for everything, y'all. Cheers.
2: And thank you, Brian, for sending that in and for listening to us so faithfully over all these years. 2014, that goes quite a ways back. I love how you describe Breakmaster Cylinder's music, the Zelda trap jazz. You definitely get it. In fact, many of our tracks are inspired by the 8 and 16-bit video games of our youth. We'll often ask BMC things like, "Hey, give us a Donkey Kong themed transition," or we'll hop into the Slack channel and do an all caps, "More Metroid vibes." Here's a track we use, it's called "Zegend of Zelda." Anybody who's familiar with the Zelda franchise will immediately spot the influence. <laughs> I am also with you on your episode selection. Our interview with Eric Norman on functional programming is definitely a highlight from our catalog. Here is a great moment from that episode. It's Eric Norman describing functional programming and how to think functionally in language that developers can easily understand.
3: So functional programming is like an onion. Okay. All right. So you can go real deep. And there's, you know, some people who go super deep. But that first layer, that first gateway into the onion. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, mixing metaphors. It's like the here. onion routing. It's like a tour network kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it like, you know, have you ever seen the original show, the uh, Get Smart, like the intro where he has like 30 different doors he walks through and they, yeah, and then he holds up his, his shoe to his, to his ear and talks. Yeah. Him to and it. he has a phone, he has a cell phone <laughs> in his shoe. Yeah. But he uh, he, you go through all these doors, right? And you get deeper and deeper into the sanctum of functional programming. Well, that first door is just recognizing the difference between what I call actions, calculations, and data. Calculations are often known as pure functions. They're the stuff you can do in your language that always gives you the same answer, no matter how many times you run them or when you run them. Okay. So this is like, Addition: Two plus two is always four. Doesn't matter how many times you run that. But then there's actions that do depend on when you run them or how many times you run them. So reading from a mutable variable, if you read after someone has written to it, you're going to get a different answer than reading before the other other part of the code writes to it. Likewise, sending an email or writing something to disk. These are all actions because, you know, sending the email zero times is different from sending it one time or 10 times. Uh, And so making this distinction between actions that depend on time, because they're hard to deal with, Mm -hmm. and calculations is like the first gateway into functional programming. Oh, and data is easy. Data is just, you know, the stuff that doesn't do anything. It's just inert, you know, the strings and numbers and, and hash maps and lists and stuff like that.
4: I like how simple your language is there because I feel like one of the barriers to a lot of folks getting into FP is like it feels like there's a lot of jargon and you start talking with somebody and you're like I just want to send an email and before you know it they're talking about monads and you're like what in the world (laughs) is all of this?
3: Yeah. I think that, you know, I speak for functional programming as a, as a community. Mm-hmm. We have overcomplicated it. Functional programming kind of has been incubated in academia and you don't get tenure by making stuff easy. <laughs> you have to find a hard <laughs> problem and like solve it in some weird way, a novel way. Right. And you don't show credibility by just talking about basics. You have to use the jargon and show that you're like one of the club and you you understand this you earn your phd by learning all these obscure terms so like that's a shame right for the rest of the industry for the non academic side that we don't have a lot of good literature that you know has taken the time to like let me just shed all that academic stuff and start over and talk like real people without all the jargon mm-hmm. That
2: clip is just the beginning of a truly great conversation. Even Cable and I, who have been exposed to FB concepts for many years, had some aha moments during it. If you want to hear more, it's episode 163. It's called JS is an Occasionally Functional Language. Okay, up next we have a message from listener Hetty Lee who says... Hi, I really, really loved the JS Danger episodes where Emma was the host. It was really funny. I was able to work through the questions with you guys, and I could test my JS slash web knowledge together. Well, Hetty, as the now permanent host of JS Danger, I choose not to be offended by how much you like it specifically when Emma hosts. Just kidding. Emma is absolutely hilarious. JavaScript Jeopardy was her idea, and she was the host of our very first time playing the game.
5: This defines the element or elements to which a set of CSS rules apply.
4: What is a selector?
5: That is correct. Finally, Woo-hoo. selector is in the answer.
6: <laughs>
5: that brings you up to 7,000. All right, go for it, Jake.
6: Okay, I'll take JS Frameworks for 200.
5: I somehow knew you were going there. <laughs> you get this one right. Um, <laughs> this library was developed by Facebook in 2013 and is still the most popular JavaScript library.
3: What is React?
5: That is absolutely correct.
4: Popular by what dimension? I think jQuery is still on my website.
0: <laughs>
5: oh, we're not doing this right
4: <laughs> now. <laughs> no, no, I think it is the most popular among current developers. It's just the long Yeah, yeah I don't mean
5: popular in terms of usage necessarily. I mean in terms of like, likeability.
4: Ooh, likeability. Now there, I don't know if React is going to win on that. But usefulness oh or usability, own. being used, I don't know. I've been having to use React recently, and I'm telling you, it's making Vue look better every day.
5: Yeah, it is. All right, Jake, we've got... Oh, wait. K-Ball, we've got two categories left. Do you want JavaScript again or even more JavaScript?
4: Well, let's go with even more (laughs) JavaScript then.
5: (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Your last question. This method tells the user agent that if the event does not explicitly get handled, its default action should not be taken as it normally would be.
4: What is prevent default
5: that's correct prevent default i don't know I don't know if it's default or default i I never know how to pronounce it all right okay Jake take it home JavaScript again for two hundred so this is the very last question before we get to the final super final round, um, which is literally just one question okay JavaScript again for two hundred all right this data type holds key value pairs and remembers the original insertion order of the keys
3: what is An object?
5: No. Keeble, you look like you know it.
4: I'm going to go with what is a map?
5: That is correct. That is correct.
4: It's the insertion order thing.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's good steal.
2: Speaking of episode 112, we have another listener who wrote in about it saying... Petruso Kedarov here. My favorite moment was in the JS Jeopardy episode number 112, more specifically the TCPIP question. I was working on a college assignment on the OSI model while listening to the episode, and like Chris, my first guess was the OSI model. I guess, quote, conceptual model, end quote, really threw me a curveball.
4: Let's go with the web for 500.
5: The web for five. You guys are just diving right in. This is the conceptual model and is a set of communication protocols used in the internet and similar computer networks.
4: Can you repeat the question?
5: Absolutely. This is the conceptual model, is a conceptual model, and it's a set of communication protocols used in the internet and similar computer networks.
4: The conceptual model. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I know.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Five more seconds.
4: Um, I mean, I would...
5: Take I don't a know. Guess.
4: I'm going to say what is HTTP, but I don't think that's right because that's not the conceptual model.
5: Meh, wrong. Oh no. I think you let that term throw you off. Yeah, unfortunately that is incorrect. So it moves on to Chris. Chris, would you like me to repeat the question?
3: What is the OSI model?
5: That is also incorrect.
3: Ah. Uh, oh
5: no. Jake, it's up to you.
3: Okay, could you repeat it one more time so I can not get it? <laughs>
5: this is a conceptual model and is a set of communication protocols used in the internet and similar computer networks. Why don't you just ignore the words conceptual model. This is a set of communication protocols used in the internet and similar computer networks.
3: I'm so bad at this type thing. I call Uh, shenanigans. Communication. (laughs) Like, I don't know. LAN. What is LAN? (laughs) If it's protocol, I would say TCP IP. Yeah, See
5: that would have been correct.
3: Oh, uh, but but like conceptual model, like well, there's this model of the yeah. network stack, and
4: I, I was in between TCP/IP and HTTP, but mm. whatever, <laughs> we got it. Well, hold and why on choose to TCP that, instead later.
5: of like UDP? I, I, this is the only one I knew. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge me. Uh, all right. Well, that round nobody got any points, so.
2: That episode was called, Do You Want JavaScript Again or More JavaScript? You can tell we weren't taking it too seriously back then. No sound effects, no official scoreboard. But once we decided to play the game more often, we came up with the name JS Danger so as to avoid any copyright claims by the fine folks at America's Favorite Game Show. The first JS Danger party was episode 123, which Hedy Lee also wrote in about saying, I also loved that time where at the end of one of the JS Danger episodes, contestants had to wager some points for the final question and at some point Emma was like, "Hey, is this in euros?" LMAO. <laughs> this open-source JavaScript database was created to help web developers build applications that work as well offline as they do online. Please submit to me your answers.
7: Got two of them going back
2: and forth. We are waiting for Emma. <laughs>
1: No idea. Okay.
2: <laughs> All the answers are in. The wagers are tallied. The math makes no sense, we're we're doing this thing with a wager of one hundred one point eight nine five euros. <laughs>
5: no, it, that was one hundred one thousand eight hundred ninety
2: five. Oh, you use a, a decimal point as a separator?
5: Yeah, that's what they use in Europe. Yeah. Okay.
3: Oh gosh.
5: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <sighs>
2: Emma's answer What is Elasticsearch? <laughs> oh. oh! I hit the wrong button. <laughs> that was so. got
6: something.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
6: Too much pressure.
2: That answer is wrong, and that point total is ridiculous. You now have negative infinity points. Up next, special guest Scott Talinsky wagered 100% of his points. So, 1,400 points on the line. And he says, and I quote, I'm wagering whatever makes me beat Emma. I don't want to get last place. <laughs> His answer, <laughs> what is couch DB? <laughs> was a valiant guess. No. And so, he ends up this game at zero. Or negative 2,800, depending on how you do math. But way better whatever. than, yeah, than yeah. negative infinity. Which means sure. Nick Nisi. Who wagered 2,700? Is this all your points, Nick? It is. I should have done one less. Answered, What is Firebase? (laughs) Answer fail and wager fail, because you could have left money on the table (laughs) and gotten first place, but now you've tied with Scott in the most ridiculous game of JS Danger (laughs) in human history. The correct answer, of course, Scott was off literally by one letter. The correct answer, the open source database, is called PouchDB. What? (gasps) Inspired by CouchDB. Yeah. PouchDB aims to help web developers build applications that work as well offline as they do online. Well, this has been something else.
5: Enlightening. Yeah. Enlightening. We hope
2: you enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun for this edition of JS Danger Game. Remember, here at Jazz Party, danger is our middle name. <laughs>
1: What's up, party people? This episode is brought to you by Sentry. Sentry just shipped their SDK for Next.js. Now, in your Next.js apps, you can capture errors, measure performance, manage releases, configure suspect commits, and automatically upload source maps to view unminified JavaScript and TypeScript with zero-ish configuration. You can get your events enriched with device data, Breadcrumbs created for outgoing HP requests. Release health for tracking crash for users and sessions. And automatic performance monitoring for both the client and the server. Check for a link in the show notes for details to this release. JS Party listeners new to Sentry get the team plan for free for three months when you sign up and use the code PartyTime at the Sentry.io and use the code PartyTime because hey, it's party time, y'all.
4: Hey there, this is K-Ball, and my absolute favorite moment in the past hundred episodes of JS Party was during an Explain It Like I'm Five segment. I had just gone and done what I thought was a pretty good job of explaining WebAssembly like I'm five, And Nick Nisi busts out this amazing five minute long story where he was mapping React hooks to the stories of Moana and mixing in a little bit of Coco and, and these other animated films. And he just did this incredible job and completely blew my explanation out of the water, but also just like our jaws were on the floor listening to him. Definitely worth a listen through the entire thing.
8: Once upon a time, there was a community of JavaScript developers that lived on an island. I'm tying in Moana right now, in case you need to know. Thank
9: you
4: for the reference. Oh, good. I know that one.
8: Spoilers for Moana, by the way. This was a very special island full of proud people who braved the waters of the JavaScript language and even forged their own destiny by creating an add-on to the language called JSX. Now, over the years, they moved on from a functional class-like way of JavaScript and started to develop an elegant way to survive and built a way to develop applications using component-based classes because JavaScript got classes. Now, the chief developer learned that the class-based way of her people and she was very excited about that, but she always wondered if there was something more to the language that might be able to come in and play a role uh, later on in our story. Is this usually where she sings a song? It is. Yeah. Do you, I can do that. Ahead, of, I'll get us demonetized again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think if you sing it, it's fine, right? I guess. You don't want that. <laughs> might get us banned. <laughs> yeah. So she thought of the, the class-based approach to what they were doing was just too verbose. And- she constantly pushed for a new way of doing things, but she was shut down because classes are the way of her people, of her development team. <laughs> and did she know the way? She did because of that. That was all she'd ever known. This is the way. <laughs> An older programmer on the island, think of her grandma Tala from, from Moana, showed her a hidden cave that contained JavaScript classes' true heritage. And she realized that they were once function-based and they could be again. <laughs> So she told her lead developer of this revelation, but he simply carried on that state could not be managed in a function and that her ideas were as wacky as trying to go beyond the reef of their island. Well, that's exactly what she did. She set off to find the great JavaScript demigod Monad uh, to restore the state of the function. <laughs> restore the state of the function and bring efficiency to her dev team. Now, upon discovering Monad, he told her of the ways in which functions could not work until they set off to find his missing hook. Only to find only then could he restore only then could he restore the state and restore functional components.
4: Wait, wait, uh, wait, develop- you gotta work your welcome in here somehow. <laughs> yeah.
8: <laughs> I I don't know how. <laughs>
4: I see what's happening here. You're face to face with JavaScript, then it's strange. You don't even know how to feel. It's adorable. It's nice to see that programmers never change. Open your eyes, let's begin. Yes, it's really me, it's Monad. Breathe it (laughs) in. I know it's a lot, the code, the state. When you're staring at a programming concept, (laughs) what can I say except you're welcome? Uh, Let's see. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) I lost my... All right. If I'd thought of this ahead of time, I could have written this out, but I was trying to do it in real time and I just failed. (laughs) I disagree 100%. That was not a
8: fail. Yep. That was amazing. (laughs) Keep going, Nick. So Monad told her that he needed to find his hook to be able to restore functional, the the state and functional components. Uh, That developer was curious though, what is this hook you speak of? She asked. And this is where I kind of trail into Coco because that's another favorite of my daughters right now. So Monad says, imagine that your ancestors are in the afterlife. If you want their memory or their state to live on, you need to put their picture up on the ofrenda or in this case, call them as a function within your component. And now when that happens, what happens to your state in that afterlife? Well, it lives in this magical world of memory and it can live on in that memory for as long as you keep its picture, the picture on your ofrenda. And as long as that's up there, it will be living and can be accessed by your your state component.
3: Remember me.
8: (laughs) As soon as you neglect to call it, uh, its state gets cast to the after afterlight called the garbage collector. (laughs) Now, the order of which you put up those pictures really matters or the order in which you call those functions really matters because it helps the environment map the correct state to the correct hook call. And uh, Monad also explained that hooks need to be called every time and not just conditionally, like not just on Dia de los Muertos, but every day, every time. Uh, And they need to be called by the top level function um, in a functional component and not just inside of some kind of callback. Now, Monad continued to explain the basics of use state, use memo, and use effect to this developer, and then went on to explain that his hook was unlike any other, it was a custom hook. Now with this custom hook, Monad could use the underlying functionality of the other hooks to construct the perfect hook to destroy the extremely verbose monster to class and restore the heart of the function or the state of the function to the development team. To class? (laughs) To class. Are you done? Almost. Okay. (laughs)
2: Because you stopped like you're waiting for an applause. I feel like we're not quite there yet. Please continue.
8: So Monad's custom hook could be used to recall the existing application state, but it could also be used to have an effect on the world around it, because it could use effects. And he could also listen to the ocean, mouse clicks, page scrolls, and other things. And he could establish a plan for when his component was cleaned up or removed, and he could talk to the all-knowing cloud by using fetch. Now, as they faced Teclass in an epic battle, the developer realized that she could make a custom hook, for hooks were just a way to hook into her environment, React in this case, and then combine that with the strength of other hooks like Monad's hook, she could vanquish Teclass to the murky syntactical depths. Now, with this new power, she returned to her people once and for all, and once and for all replaced their class-based components with functional components supported by the power of hooks that were within them all along. The end
2: quite the story and it might just be the most nick has ever talked on an episode most shows he just sits quietly until an opportune moment to say vim or typescript so nice selection k-ball and you aren't alone on that one listener jarvis says episode 168 was epic loved the story on hooks But if we're being honest, I'm not so sure any of us walk away from hearing that epic story with a better understanding of React Hooks than we brought into it. Good thing we had Kent C. Dodds on episode 186, which a few listeners cited as their favorite. Chris Benjamin writes, I really enjoyed the episode with Kent C. Dodds on July 30th getting hooked on React. The way Kent describes Hooks made it click.
9: When I was first learning React, we didn't even have classes. It was create class and all that. I think the same for both of you. And so like coming into Hooks, it took me a little bit of time to be like, okay, yeah, this is kind of interesting. And then a little time as in like minutes of like, initially, I was like, I'm not sure about this. And oh my gosh, I love this. And uh, the biggest thing for me was getting rid of class components and shareability of code. Because with class components, we always talk about the separation of concerns and how important that is in you know, maintainable architecture. And one of the things I loved about React was that it embraced the fact that HTML, CSS, and JavaScript are part of a single concern. Those aren't separate concerns. Those are separate technologies when combined to create a single concern of your button component or your accordion or whatever it is. And so, but within that individual component, there could be multiple concerns in there. You know, one part of it is updating the document title to say how many unread messages you have. And the other one is subscribing to Firebase to get those messages. And it's spread between these life cycles. And so with hooks, I was able to keep those concerns together within the component. And if it was a reusable bit, then it's just a matter of, pulling that out and sticking it into a function is it like mm. it's just JavaScript at that point. Like you're just moving yeah. stuff around like just like you do with JavaScript. So anyway, I, I didn't have a huge problem with jumping into hooks, but I know a lot of people switching from classes to hooks was, was a bit of a big jump. But one other thing that I just wanted to mention too, like some of the hard parts of learning React, I can tell you based on the number of people who are reading my blog posts, what are the things people have the most trouble with. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't, like, track Google Analytics on my blog, but I do have Netlify Analytics, and that gets when people land on my blog. And the number one blog post right now over the last month is how to use React context effectively. So that, Emma, speaks to you. <laughs> and then uh, cool. use Memo and use Callback are the next. And that, that one <laughs> actually has been really popular and for years. That Yeah, those two are tricky. They're absolutely yeah. tricky. And then I've got a couple things about testing. And state management is another thing that people struggle with quite a bit. And then use effect and use layout effects are pretty big ones too. So yeah, yeah it's, I would say that there are definitely hard parts about learning React. And it's very possible that it's harder to learn React than it is to learn other frameworks. But I just come back again to, I feel like React is simple. And it's easier to build a simple application with a simple framework than it is to build you know, a simple application with a complicated mm-hmm. one.
8: As a side note, I think I probably make up 50% of the traffic on your common mistakes with React (laughs) Testing Library. (laughs) I think I link to that in almost every pull request that I'm doing.
5: Yeah, we're using React Testing Library too. And I'm like, oh, got to go see Kent again. (laughs) (laughs)
8: Ahoy, ahoy, JS Party. Nick here. Now, looking back over the last 200 episodes, we really had a lot of fun. In particular, I really enjoyed listening back to that time on episode 126 where Jared tried to take the unpopular stance that customizing your terminal environment and editor is a waste of time. You know, it's YAGNI. It's time that could be better spent just accepting the mediocrity of the popular editors and environments. I felt it at the time, and I still feel it now, that Jared wasn't speaking to JS Party. He was speaking to me, disparaging my life's work, my dot files, which will be handed down to my children, but now they're forever tainted by the comments Jared made that one time. It's all in good fun, and I really enjoyed hearing the regular panelists riff on that topic. And now I just have to ask if Jared still holds that opinion. How many episodes of the Changelog has Jared done on Vim and command line tools since then? Were they pretty popular? Think about it as you listen to this next clip.
2: This is also, I think, probably unpopular because I've disagreed with it myself in the past, and I might disagree with it by the time we're done talking here. But I do believe it right now. Which is that? I think most of the time that you spend tweaking, customizing, optimizing your terminal, your editor, oh no, your (laughs) tools, most of that is time not well spent.
10: (laughs) Amazing!
2: (laughs) (laughs) How can you do this? I think most of that stuff is yagni. I think we spend six hours to save 60 seconds. And I think we yak shave far too much.
8: You never know if you're going to do that 60 seconds again sometime.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I've hit an unpopular chord here because everyone just kind of sat there and laughed and shocked. <laughs> There's an old Japanese proverb that says don't feed the trolls. So. I will not be justifying Nick's trolling with a response. What I will do, however, is read another listener favorite. Squid here, been listening before the 90s, the party that you can always attend no matter how strict COVID restrictions get. Keep partying. Thanks for writing in, Squid. I like your game. To honor J.S. Party continuing to rock even during COVID restrictions, here's Suze sharing her book recommendations on our Working From Home episode recorded at the very start of lockdowns
7: i'm a bookworm so i have three books to recommend (laughs) uh the first one is cal newport's deep work which i mentioned before Uh and the next one is jenny odell's how to do nothing uh jenny odell is one of my favorite speakers uh she speaks at io festival like over the last few years and she's an artist and she talks about the fact that you know, the new hustle culture and things like that are just constantly tearing at our personal time, our personal space, our mental well-being. And I think that right now I'm seeing a lot of that chatter on Twitter. It's like, this is time for your side project now that you're quarantined. And this is the time to do this and that, and just not allowing people to ever take a break because things are crappy, you know? And so I think that this book is particularly relevant. Uh, It's very popular and has really great reviews. Um, And then also contact bulk, by Carl Sagan. I'm seeing a lot of parallels in this book um, compared to what we're seeing now. And so yes, it's a science fiction book, and it has nothing to do with a virus worldwide, but it has to do with worldwide cooperation, the breakdown of barriers between science and religion, um, as well as just watching different nations try to own different solutions. I think that there are just so many themes that we're seeing. And I think that Carl Sagan kind of thinks about the stuff the right way and you might actually find it quite comforting, uh, you know, to kind of imagine ideologically, like what would be the greatest way that we could deal with this kind of thing right now. So I think that those three books are particularly relevant, you know, there's, there's the work, but there's also like, how do you then switch off and just like treat yourself nicely, given that this is just a quite an unprecedented experience to go through in your lifetime.
2: Next up, Logan Liffick writes, I busted out laughing during the episode We Really Need New Jingles when Jared cracked down on the TIL segment and Matt mentioned that it felt like he was having dinner with Saddam Hussein. The banter on JS Party is a trip. Matt, how about yourself? What have you learned today and or recently?
11: Yeah, well, it was today, actually. I think I'm the only one that's really respected this segment in, <laughs> in that way. The, yeah, you win. Uh, yeah, I tell you what. I was mentioned earlier These the, the APIs now in browsers, and this might be old news to um, people that do a lot more JavaScript than I do. But there's things like there's a Web WebAuthn API that lets you use the fingerprint or face ID stuff you know, in your JavaScript code for authentication, things like this, which I just think is, I mean, it's kind of what you need, isn't it? It's what you expect. But you see, when I started doing this, everything was sandboxed so tightly, you know, the the worlds were so different. The JavaScript world was just so different. You couldn't, you didn't really interact much with the device at all. And increasingly, as they open all these APIs, I think we're just going to see more and more kind of powerful things being built. And I kind of love seeing that. I'm amazed. I remember when I first discovered about local storage and there's indexed DB in the browser. You know, it is kind of amazing to see that. But yeah, so I learned that. That's what I TIL'd today was that you can, you can use fingerprint auth in your JavaScript.
8: That is awesome.
11: You can access sensors as well on the device. GPS coordinates, I guess, have been around a while. But also like things like the battery. Uh, you can find out how, you know. So maybe don't do some things. Don't turn off animations if the user's battery's low or something. Mm-hmm. You know, be a nice citizen for them. You know, I don't know. It's good, isn't it? It's like a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. Cheers.
2: And the fact that you learned it today means you really respect my authority, you know? Yeah. Which I also appreciate.
11: Yeah, I feel like I'm having dinner with Saddam Hussein, and I'm really <laughs> nervous about upsetting him. I've never had dinner with Saddam Hussein or any dictator, actually.
4: Way anyway, to back that one off. Yeah, you haven't had no, dinner I... with Jared yet. You mentioned <laughs> any dictator? <laughs> yeah.
11: <laughs> yeah.
4: No, I've never oh, that's met right. Any... Internet acquaintances.
11: Yeah.
2: Remember, yeah. I already A- said. <laughs> hopefully, we'll never have dinner. Didn't I say that earlier on the show? Hopefully, we'll never meet.
4: Jared's not so bad over dinner. Or lunch, I guess, is what we shared.
2: We did. What did you have?
11: Lunch. He just told you. Yeah. What, what specifically? Food. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> See what I mean? Like I'm nervous now. <laughs> Don't want to upset the king.
2: Logan isn't the only one who liked this episode. Take it away, K-Ball.
4: Hey, Ball here. Another one of my favorite moments from this last hundred episodes was when we had Matt Ryer from Go Time on as a guest for a segments episode. And Jared just springs on him. Hey, we need a jingle for this next segment. Can you make one up? And like he kind of looked at him for a second and then just busted out this incredible tune for story of the week. I wish I had those types of skills.
2: We like to have jingles for our segments. And you may remember that Nick came up with this excellent jingle for Pro Tip Time.
8: Pro Tip Time.
2: So, brilliant. we do not have a story of the week jingle. And what you may not know is that Matt Ryer is actually very musically inclined. He plays the guitar. If you're watching live, you can see some guitars back there. He sings songs. He writes songs. And so, Matt, if I might just really puts you on the spot and challenge you can you please come up for us a story of the week jingle live on the spot without any rehearsal we'd appreciate that
11: but it really is no rehearsal because you're saying it like we've planned this (laughs) i know but i
2: was going to set you up to embarrass yourself story of the week yeah story of the week
11: right okay okay ready it's time to
4: damn
8: wow that's actually better than i was expecting dude nice job way to play my jingle first just to give the opposite
2: of that well we wanted to lower the bar and make sure there wasn't too much of expectation and that was actually completely ad hoc matt did not know about that so Nice job, Matt. The first of
4: many surprises that we're going to spring on him today.
11: That's right. (sighs) This does feel increasingly like an ambush.
1: This episode is brought to you by our friends at square square is the platform that sellers trust there is a massive opportunity for developers to support square sellers by building apps for today's business needs And I'm here with Shannon Skipper, Head of Developer Relations at Square. Shannon, can you share some details about the opportunity for developers on the Square platform?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So we have millions of sellers who have unique needs and Square has apps like our point of sale app, like our restaurants app. But there are so many different sellers, tuxedo shops, florists who need specific solutions for their domain. And so we have a Node SDK written in TypeScript that allows you to access all of the backend APIs and SDKs that we use to power the billions of transactions that we do annually. And so there's this ma- massive market of sellers who need help from developers. They either need a bespoke solution built for themselves on their own node stack, where they are working with Square dashboard, working with Square hardware, or with the ecom, you know, what you see is what you get builder. And they need one more thing. They need an additional build. And then finally, we have the app marketplace where you can make a node app and then distribute it so it can get in front of millions of sellers and be an option for them to adopt.
1: Very cool. All right. If you want to learn more, head to developer.squareup.com to dive into the docs, APIs, SDKs, and to create your Square Developer account. Start developing on the platform seller's trust. Again, that's developer.squareup.com.
6: So what I absolutely love about JS Party is how much fun we have on the show and just all of the goofball moments that are interspersed between technical facts. (laughs) Some of my favorite shows have been uh, my intro show where I got to talk a little bit about my background and I never really thought the word pirates would come up in a JavaScript podcast, but I was wrong.
10: I feel like I know Amal, like, a lot, so it's really hard to ask, like, questions because I'm like, I know a lot of the answers. But I guess for the listeners who don't know her as well, here's a curveball of a question. Do you like to live dangerously?
6: Oh, (laughs) 100%. 100%. I mean, my parents are East African. Enough said, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, Somalis brought pirating you know, into the mainstream conversation, you know, (laughs) more recently. So I'm like descendants of some serious bad. So yes. Nice. Love to live dangerously. (laughs) Another favorite of mine was a show we did with Ben Iligbadu on TypeScript and Suze and Divya were on the panel with me and... I called Divya out for changing her accent and going full Aussie, so that was pretty hilarious. And she actually admitted it on air, so listen up.
10: Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of JS Party. And today we have a wonderful guest, Ben Ilegbodu. But before I introduce him, I'd like to introduce the panel that we have with us. We have Amal. Hello, everybody. And we also have Suze.
6: Hello, how's it going? Did your accent just change? You said Suze in like an Aussie accent. Did you realize that? That's, that's <laughs> awesome. She's like wow. And with us we have Suze. I was like, okay. Hi Suze. Okay, yeah.
10: You caught that me. Was cute. I don't know. Like sometimes <laughs> I say things in weird voices. I don't know if you have this. I wanna introduce Ben before I jump into like okay. other
8: things. But- <laughs> 30 seconds in, it's already off the rails.
6: (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, how could I forget the one and only Ahmed Nasri, whose classic line will forever be etched in my memory? If you're in surgery, they don't, like, kill you, do the thing, and then bring you back to life, right? You're still living, right? That's the thing, right? So a mechanic gets to turn the car off.
2: It's hot module replacement. Yeah,
6: car- exactly. That's a great analogy. A-, a cardiovascular surgeon doesn't, right? That's actually a very good, very good example because there's no surgeon. You
4: won't take a surgeon seriously if he's going to say, <laughs> "I'm just going to replace your heart instead of trying to fix it." Right. Exactly. Right. Or replace <laughs> your kidney without trying to understand what the problem is. Oh, your just your kidney is too old. We better, you know, we better put React in there instead <laughs> oh uh, because it's just reacts. too old, and I don't want to bother. Show with title it.
6: right there. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Replace your your kidneys with React, everybody.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Amel. It has been so awesome having you on the pod. All right, it is time to read another listener message. Hello, world. This is Chris Torres from Carson, California, and I'm a fellow software engineer who loves all things front-end, especially React and Svelte. My former manager said that JS Party is a good listen, and you guys definitely did not disappoint. I've been listening to this podcast since the beginning of 2021. My favorite episodes so far are number 166, JS Danger CSS Tricks Edition, and number 192, Front End Feud Shop Talk versus Syntax, because they are so fun and entertaining. I also like Explain It Like I'm 5, which is featured in some episodes because it helps me learn how to explain technical concepts more casually and less formally. Well, enough said. Thank you so much for keeping me sane during this time of uncertainty, and keep on keeping on. Thank you for the kind words, Chris. We appreciate having you with us. Here is a clip from that CSS Tricks edition of JS Danger. One thing we've learned with that game is that Akita winning is not stealing unless you're sure you know the answer. I advise contestants about this, but few heed the advice. In this clip, I thought Jeff Graham was about to do himself in, but... Frameworks for a thousand. Oh, my goodness. He's going big. The less formal CSS framework. Its goal is to be as minimal as possible when adding classes.
3: When adding classes. I don't know. It's not Tailwind, but I'm going to say Tailwind.
2: That is incorrect.
6: Their goal is to be as maximal as possible.
2: All right. Here's where I'll remind people to be careful with the steals because you can lose a thousand by stealing haphazardly. Sarah, do you know what it is? would you like to steal?
10: Um
3: tachyons
2: sorry that's also incorrect jeff would you like to steal
3: i'm gonna go out on a limb yes Uh. (gasps) despite all
2: advice they're just going for it
3: (laughs) what is paper
11: css
2: you got it no way very good
11: nicely done
2: that was an obscure one
11: thank you thank you
2: All right, we have time to read one more listener message. Scott here. The episode where you talked about saying no really helped me out. Hearing other developers who experienced the same BS I was at a company gave me the strength to quit a toxic workplace, and now I'm way happier. That is very cool, Scott. Thanks for letting us know that. Happy to hear that you're happier, and that we could play even a small role in that decision. Here is a clip from that episode. This is just a small part of a much larger conversation. Are there ways that you've gone about saying no that have worked better than others? Or how do you do it?
8: I'll tell you the way that I use the most, which is by far not the best way, but it's the most effective way sometimes. And that's, I ignore it until it goes away on its own. (laughs) So the ghost, no.
2: Okay. I mean, that is, I think... In certain cold requests, I mean, we do that all the time. I get so much email for the changelog. People want to come on the shows. I'm not going to respond to every single email and say no. Oh, so. Is that just,
6: why you've been ignoring all my emails? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, you know, Jared, I thought it was like, you know, gosh, you know, now I I don't know know how to break this to you, Amel,
2: but you're, you're on the show (laughs) right now. You're on it. Anyways, uh, anyways. (laughs)
6: no, no, I'm I'm just kidding.
2: (laughs) Anyway, so in that case, like a cold email, you don't know the person, they're asking you for something. I'm totally fine with just not responding because there's just too many emails in life. But what if it's like a colleague or a friend or it's not, you know, you're not going to ghost a colleague if they ask you for something, right? You're gonna have to tell them something. Amelia, what about
6: you? How do you say no?
10: I've been waiting to hear answers <laughs> on this. <laughs> I need all the help I can get.
6: Okay. Out of office message saying you're in Alaska for three months. I'm <laughs> hoping that they forget about it by the time you're quote unquote back, you know?
8: Yeah. I have a built-in excuse. I just say, you know, kids, I, I have kids family,
2: and I can't kids, do
10: it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kids. Yeah. Kids are a great excuse. Kids.
8: Yeah,
2: It is.
10: Yeah. I never want to lie about it. And my reason is always like, this isn't a priority for me or like, I don't think that sounds great, which I've tried before. (laughs) I don't think that sounds great. (laughs) Just like, this is honest. I don't want to, which I think like you hate when you ask someone to do something and they like lie about like, oh no, I can't do that because uh, I'm not available. And you're like, I didn't say when. That never yeah. feels good. <laughs> yeah.
2: They're like, I have bowling league that night. And you're like, yeah, I didn't give a date yet.
6: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, a line that I've been able to use pretty successfully so far is that, like, I just have too many commitments right now. And my plate's really full. Yeah. And I would love That's to. That's true, It's right? the truth, though. It's like, you know. Yeah, yeah, I just I just can't take anything else on right now. And it's always nice to give people another option. So, like, if you can redirect them to someone else, like, if you're being asked to do a talk mm-hmm. or whatever, like, if you, yeah, just say, hey, maybe this person can help. And then just kind of, like, you know, I think that's the most you can do. But, yeah, no, you need to be protective of your, your time and energy. And, you know, most right. of the time people are understanding. So
8: I do like that approach, though, Amel, because it, it really shows that you did consider it and you put thought a little bit of thought into it, which is, you know, it's not just like a canned no response in that regard. And even I think going back to maybe what you said, Amelia, like if you were brutally honest, like, no, that doesn't sound good to me. Like that would probably stand out as like a significant response that they might get for something like that. And it Mm -hmm. might lead to, you know, collaborating or, or changing it to be exactly what you want. And that could be good too.
2: Yeah.
10: Yeah. Totally.
2: So I, I like the honesty of too busy, too many things going on. One thing that happens with that with a persistent requester is they will then set a reminder mm-hmm. to ask you again in a month or sixty days. And that can be problematic. So now you're having a, now you gotta do it again. And so at times I will say similar to what Amelia says, but I'll say something like this just doesn't feel like a great fit or doesn't feel right. That's good. Just doesn't it's feel not right. you, it's me. And it's really hard. I mean, it's not really, a, it's not <laughs> offensive. It's not saying it's a bad idea. It's not saying. It's not that? you,
6: it's me, you know? It's like a brain. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it doesn't feel right. I've never gotten someone to write back and be like, how dare you? Or, you know, of course, maybe they're thinking that, but they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Appreciate oh the time.
10: That's great. Because it's not like this isn't good. Objectively, it's like, it's not yeah. good for me. Or,
2: it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't that. feel like a great fit.
4: Hey, K-Ball here. One more moment from our last 100 episodes of JS Party that I want to plug. This one starts behind the scenes. We had an episode coming up with Adam Wathen, the creator of Tailwind CSS. And I think Nick had jokingly titled the episode, The Tailwind Beneath My Wings, playing off the Bette Midler song. And I couldn't make it, but I joked in the channel, hey, it would be amazing if y'all worked in the lyrics from the song. Not expecting it to actually work, but those crazy guys, Jared, Faross, and especially Nick Nisi carrying the show, managed to work in the entire song as part of the episode, most of it without Adam even knowing what was going on. And it, it was just hysterical and funny and unique.
8: Oh oh, whoa. Oh.
6: It must have been cold there in my
8: shadow. It just really must have been cold there in the shadow. To never have sunlight
2: on your face. To never have sunlight on your face.
3: You were content to let me shine,
8: that's your way. Content to let me shine, that's your way. They're always walking a step behind. So, I was the one with all the glory. so you're really the one with all the glory. Well, you were the one with all you're the one with all the strength. A beautiful face without a name for so long. A beautiful face without a name for so long. beautiful smile to hide the pain.
2: Did you ever know that you're my hero?
6: It's
8: everything I would like it to be. I can fly higher than an eagle.
2: Thank you for putting the tailwind beneath our wings, Adam. K-ball drilled it. This was our finest moment, if I do say so myself. When the show first started, only Nick and I knew about the gag, and it was so awkward keeping it a secret. Here's Nick squeezing one of the lines in early on.
4: Um, But yeah, I think part of that is just using the tool for more than it was originally intended to be used for and so it's taken a while for this for the spec to sort of catch up to what people want to do with it
8: Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's it just really must have been cold there in the shadow for css and and the tooling around it and um yeah just in the shadow of of javascript and and html
2: that's true the editing removed some of the awkwardness but you should have seen faras's face when nick said that it was just too much, so we revealed our secret to Adam and Faras during the first break. After that, things got better, but we were having a hard time squeezing in the penultimate line in any context that made sense. Then, which was a surprise to all of us, Adam masterfully delivered that line, and it left me completely speechless. Like, literally, I didn't know what to say.
8: Firefox Send used to be like my go-to one, but they like shut that service they down. Did. So That was sad. Uh, and now it doesn't even have like a placeholder page. It just links to like the Mozilla homepage. So, you know, it's sad.
2: That was a service. I never used it, but the fact that it existed, I respected that. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I feel
8: the same way. Cool. Did you guys know um, well, something I can actually do that most other people can't do is that I can fly higher than an eagle?
2: Wow. Well, I mean... You're really uh, making your can't even respond to that. So <laughs> uh, Adam broke the show. This has been Best of the Fest, Volume One. Here's to the last 200 episodes and to the next 200 as well. Special thanks to the many listeners, guests, and panelists who contributed to Best of the Fest. You are what makes JS Party awesome. I've included links to every episode referenced in order of appearance in your show notes. JS Party is produced by me, Jared Santo, with Vapor Vibes provided by Breakmaster Cylinder. We are brought to you by excellent partners. Shout out to Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Linode. Next up on the pod, we have an exclusive interview with Rachel Neighbors on React's brand new documentation site. Subscribe if you haven't at jsparty.fm. We'll drop that episode in your podcast feed next week
0: hello javascript developers i just want to take a moment
4: horse
2: js what are you doing here everybody left the show's over i just want you to
5: know that i've cried
2: Oh, I see. You're upset because nobody picked your interview in episode 142 as their favorite. Any JavaScript nerds want to get wrecked? Actually, one listener did pick you, but we ran out of time. We had so much good stuff that I decided not to include it.
1: Name a funnier person in the JS community. I'll wait.
2: Okay, okay, fine. Just pick your favorite horse JS quote, say it right now, and we'll include it in the show. But you gotta move fast because I'm really ready to wrap this up.
3: Okay, let me toss out one last hand grenade before I go to bed. Immutability is sometimes.